Take your Bibles tonight, please. Join me in Ephesians chapter 6. It's been a few weeks since we last met together in this epistle due to various reasons. Last week, Mike Petraco preached. Amen. Keep pressing on, brother. I needed to just come to church, and it was good to just show up. I didn't even have on a tie, and it was good just to come to church. And it's, You don't realize how much you miss sitting out there until you're up here all the time. And who preaches to the preacher? So thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And uh, it was a really good message as well. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's begin by reading verses 5 through 9 of Ephesians chapter 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there any respect of persons with him. Remember that beginning in chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, began to address relationships. The husband-wife relationship, the parent-child relationship, and now we'll see tonight the employer-employee relationships. This epistle is a letter which deals largely with the doctrine of the church. And you may wonder, why are we getting into all these relationships then? Because if those relationships are not right, we do not have a healthy church. Our marriages must be right. Our parenting must be right. Our children must learn to obey. And our employer-employee relationships must also be right. We will not have a strong church. And really with this one tonight, we will not have a strong testimony in our community if we do not have this area right. And because these can be difficult areas to keep in the right place, we find a similar recurring phrase throughout God addressing these relationships, and that is, as unto the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And tonight, we see in verse 5 that servants are to be obedient as unto Christ. In verse 6, but as the servants of Christ. And in verse 7, as to the Lord and not to men. So what we learn from this is the only way we can be honorable in these three relationship areas is to keep Christ in mind. There are times when husbands, wives, parents, children, employees, and employers behave in less than honorable ways. So we must keep our eyes on Christ, keep our focus on Him, and not upon man if we're going to keep these relationships in right balance. In some situations, 
that's easier said than done. Amen. Some of you have worked for very bad bosses. Maybe some of you have been very bad employees. Do not raise your hand. But it's hard sometimes to act honorably to those who are less than honorable. For example, I believe personally the, in, the employees who are being forced by their employers to choose between work and church during this outbreak are not acting honorably. Frankly, I think it's illegal if it's a business which employs 15 or more and they claim to be an equal opportunity employer. We're not supposed to discriminate based on religion. They're not using that word, and I guess that's what makes it okay. But people are being told if you go and gather anywhere that there's more than 10 people, then you have to quarantine and not come back to work. Let me jump ahead to verse 9 right here, because I'm not really going to address bosses tonight, but we read there, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. I don't think it's right for any employer today to essentially threaten their employees in a decision between church and work. They should forbear threatening. They should not be forcing them into that decision. They ought to be treating their employees the way they would want to be treated. Because here's the thing that employers need to learn and understand is an employee's spiritual well-being makes for a better employee. Amen. Even the military figured that out when I was in, and that was part of the pillars. We had to be physically ready, mentally ready, technically ready, and spiritually ready. And so there's something to be said for being spiritually healthy. But how does a servant honor his master when these kinds of very difficult decisions arise? Well, for certain, we have to go forward understanding that we are all ambassadors for Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33 say, Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. I need to get ahead of myself just a little bit right here. But the end goal is to glorify God that others might be saved. That should be our goal wherever we're at in life. Wherever we're working. I believe there are very few situations where one size is going to fit every situation. I think this is one of those times where it's difficult to know what the right response is for every situation. We understand that the way of salvation is one way. There's no disputing that. But let's be honest, there's so many situations in life that are not that cut and dry. They are not that black and white. They are very difficult decisions that we have to make. They are very unique. And what worked for one person over here may not work for another person over there. So I don't think I could stand up here and give you an all-encompassing response on how you are to deal with if you are faced with that decision. I will tell you what I have told those who have come to me for my opinion, and that is this. I say to every husband, you are the head of your home. You are the priest of your home, and you do as God is leading you. 
Amen. I'm going to stand in judgment for how I led this church. I'm not going to stand in judgment for how I led your family at home. But you fathers will. You husbands will. And so you need to do what's right in your own situation. Amen. I've learned this as a pastor. People are going to do what people want to do anyway. Amen. My opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, And in some cases, not even my biblical counsel for that matter. People are going to do what people want to do. But understand, let's not be too harsh on those who are being faced with a tough decision right now. And they're doing the best they can with that decision. Amen. So we need to pray for those. But let's get to our text tonight. Things were far different in Bible days when it comes to servants and masters. The word for servant means a slave. And at this time in the Roman Empire, there were literally millions of slaves. Some put it as high as 60 million in the Roman Empire were considered slaves. They were slaves, there there were slaves, excuse me, who were slaves against their will. There were slaves who were voluntarily putting themselves into a position of slavery. And there were those who were hired servants. Most of them would, would be classified as a slave. Existence in those days was very hand to mouth. Right? You worked that day for a day's wage to eat. In most cases. And so life was just very different. The Bible here makes an important distinction in verse 5. Where it says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Those who are in earthly positions over our flesh are not to trump our heavenly authority over our spirit. We obey their laws so long as we don't break conscience with God. It is God who has promised to meet our needs, not our employer's as we're seeing through this pandemic. Many are experiencing, having now been laid off or furloughed, that it is God who is ultimately going to have to meet their needs. And it was God who was doing it anyway. We must remember that God said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto you. What things was He referring to? Well, in context, Jesus was speaking to our earthly life. The needs that we would have in this life. Right before Jesus said that you need to uh, seek first the kingdom of God, He said this in Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And then He says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. God will meet our needs. Hallelujah. If you'll honor God, He'll come through. Just remember in all of this, that you have masters according to your flesh, but your ultimate master is God. It was early in Matthew 6 when Jesus said, uh, earlier in Matthew 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, And love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. With that being said, I think we understand tonight that the way in which God has chosen to meet our needs in this life is for us to be employed. Amen. 
the Bible says we're to work. In fact, the Bible still says we're to work six and rest one. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And so God has chosen work by the means in which we provide for our families. And we do get our our needs met that way. Therefore, we can't choose to be lazy and then expect God to meet our needs. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Now we see in verses 5-8 through how a servant is to be toward his earthly master. If he has any hopes of bringing glory to God on, on the workplace, seeing people saved from within that environment. The uniqueness of the Christian life, and if you put yourself back in the first century, it's more impactful, I think, than in America today. But the uniqueness of the Christian life is that once one trusts Christ as their Savior, even the lowliest of servants is then elevated into a position of priesthood. We are elevated in Christ. We, we find in Christ that there's neither bond nor free. We find in Christ that we are all one, that we are We are equal. We we come to Christ and He treats us all the same. We understand that we have access to God through the blood of Christ. He tore down the middle wall of partition. God rent the veil of the temple in twain. We have access to God no matter if you're the lowliest of servants or you're the highest of masters. We all have equal footing at God's throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah doesn't matter your position in life. We are all one in Christ our Lord. Therefore, the job that you have is to bring glory to God. There is dignity. There is greatness in working at your place of employment for the honor and glory of God. In fact, your job is so glorious that Paul wrote in, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Titus, Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 2, 9 and 10, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Things. You can bring honor or you can bring dishonor to God by how you conduct yourself at work. Your performance affects the doctrine of God. That's what the Bible says. And if you doubt this to be true, watch as somebody at work who is dishonest, who is rude to customers, who despises their boss who is just grumpy Gus at work all the time, you watch as they try to witness to one of their co-workers and see how effective they aren't. Because our testimony on the job impacts our ability to reach others for Christ. It affects our credibility. It affects our integrity. It affects the message of God. And if you'll watch somebody who's trying to live one way and preach another at work, you'll see one who is fruitless. Because they have no firm footing on which to stand. And people will look at that and they'll say, you don't have what it is you're thinking you have. You're telling me I need what you have. I've got a better work ethic than you do. You see the problem. And so our places of employment are very important in that we can bring honor to God. 
we, we should be going to work with the idea that we are going to be inviting people to church, that we are going to be witnessing to them as opportunity arise, and we're going to be trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we can. And, and we need to keep in mind that because we're representatives of Christ, we're ambassadors of Christ, that how we conduct ourselves is going to affect our ability to reach other people. Here's the thing. Everything that that person may say, it may be absolutely true. They may quote a scripture. They may say something that's absolutely true about the Bible. And yet, because they have no credibility, it doesn't reach the heart. It's not effective. That's how important your integrity is in the workplace. Servants were the lowest in Paul's day. You had little to no rights. Most had no rights in those days if you were a servant. And understand that the church then was mostly made up of poor people. There were exceptions, of course. We see that in the Bible, but most were poor. And as a result of the church's demographic in that day, the reliability of the early church's message was conditional upon the performance of the servant at work. You catching that? Because they were servants and they're out there trying to preach Christ, their performance was what gave credibility to the fact that they said they had been born again. And so that we see how important this is. And if that's how God intended the workforce to function back then, you can rest assured that these principles still apply today. Even though we are very blessed in America. We live in a day where a man's word means next to nothing in the business world. A handshake is not enough. There are all kinds of legal forms that have to be filled out. How many of you have ever bought a house? 50 pages later in carpal tunnel syndrome. And those are all there because there's been so many shady dealings and so many people who have uh, tried to scam and, and run out and all the rest. But as a body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we aren't to be viewed that way. We are to be above reproach. We have several business owners in our church. And in every case that I'm aware of, their testimony in the community is superb. And that's how it's supposed to be. They're supposed to know when they see that businessman coming their way that things are going to be done right. We see in verse 5 that servants are to obey their masters with fear and trembling. That's interesting because that's a description of how we are to treat God. And the Bible says that we are to look at our masters, our bosses, with fear and trembling. To use this language toward an earthly master indicates that a master's position on this earth is to be respected. Even if it's a boss who is ungodly. We see this throughout the Bible. You must consider, uh, well, maybe you've never seen it. But how many of you know the Christmas Carol? And you, you remember Bob Cratchit? He would not curse Ebenezer Scrooge. Everybody else was. Even his family. But Bob Cratchit would still raise a glass and give a toast to the founder of their meager Christmas feast, Ebenezer Scrooge. He had an ungodly boss that he honored and revered. 
We also see in verse 5 that we are not only to respect our masters, but we are to be sincere about it. That's what singleness of heart means. The opposite Greek word is where we get our English word for duplicity, meaning that some will smile at their boss while they're passing by them, call them sir or ma'am, but then go to the water cooler and bless them out. Hypocrisy. We're to be sincere about things. The Bible is teaching us that how we act towards our boss in public and to their face is the same way we are to act toward them in private. Because we are Christians. We're not to be two-faced. By the way, your kids are watching. They'll pick up on that. In verses 6 and 7, we see we are to be obedient, not with eye service as men-pleasers, which means we don't just obey when someone's looking over our shoulders. If we are given an order, we follow it and we do it to the best of our ability, ability, no matter who is watching. We don't do it eye service. We are to serve our masters from our heart. Why? Because the Bible says here it's the will of God. I confess to you, this was tough for me sometimes in the military. But the Bible says it's the will of God. Now, you can climb the ladder of success, and if you can, do it. Amen. Uh, Promotions of the Lord. And I, I think if you can be blessed in doing that, do so. But understand that we still have to serve God in the process. We, we must learn to see our jobs as service to God as well. Verse 7, we see that we are to serve with goodwill, which means we are to serve with kindness. Do you understand tonight that your, your service to God actually begins with your secular employment? You see, God is going to watch how you act at that very first burger flipping job you had at the age of 15 or whatever. See how you handle that before He gives you more. And then see how, he, how you handle that before He gives you more. You understand what I'm saying? It all starts back there. And God will not put people in the ministry who are lazy. They may force themselves in there. But it's not of God. God is waiting and watching to see those who will honor God in the secular workforce before He puts them over the house of God. So your walk with God, your service to God, actually begins back there when you started that secular work. It really started back when your parents gave you an order. Amen. How did you follow that? And so understand how important this is tonight. And so we're to serve with kindness. In other words, we're to have a good disposition as we serve. How's your attitude on the job? We watched the movie No Time for Sergeants the other day. There's a man named Private Stockdale, played by Andy Griffith. He's a good example right here. The sergeant made him latrine orderly. And he cleaned so well, he became the permanent latrine orderly. PLO. And he was so excited about that. And Private Stockdale worked so hard and And he gave it all he had to the greatest of his ability, even though it was considered the lowest of all military details. Now, granted, he didn't quite know that, but he gave it all he had. Cleaning toilets. 
I'm sure some of you were told what my dad told me when I started working secularly, and that is this, find the job nobody else wants to do and do it better than anybody else can do it. How do you do on your job? Because we see in verse 8 that there is a reward from the Lord when we obey our masters. When we obey them with fear and trembling, with singleness of heart, not with eye service as men pleasers, but when we work doing the will of God from the heart, we find, we find the blessings of verse 8. Knowing that whoso, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Understand tonight, God is keeping an account. And his, his ledger never lies. He, he, he knows how to reward those. He, he knows the account. He honors those who are proper servants. God is watching your labors. Even if you're not recognized on the job, God is watching you. And He'll take care of you and He will reward you. Just think of Joseph's life. Joseph started as a shepherd. He did it right even though his brothers hated him. Joseph was sold into slavery into pagan Egypt. And there he was faithful as Potiphar's steward. And he was given his entire house. Joseph was falsely imprisoned, but he did it to the best of his ability there. And he became in charge of the jail. Joseph was elevated back again and stood before Pharaoh. And he ended up essentially being the guy in charge. Pharaoh gave him the kingdom, so to speak. Whether it was as a shepherd, a steward, a jailer, a president, Joseph served honorably no matter who he was working for because he understood God saw him. If you won't do the lowliest of jobs well, then how will God see fit to trust you with more? Work is unto Him because God is the ultimate rewarder. Let me close with this illustration. Two county employees were working one day. One was digging a hole, and the other was filling it back up. And they kept doing this all along the side of the road. A man was watching this, and he became curious as to what they were doing. So he went down, and he asked the men, couldn't help but notice that you're digging a hole, and the other man's filling it right back up. What's going on? One of them kind of leaned on his shovel, and he said, well... Actually, we're a team of three who plant trees, but one of them called in sick today. <laughs> now, maybe you can relate to that in your mundane work life. You go to work, you go through the motions of what you're supposed to be doing, but you at some point begin to totally lose concept of why you do what you do. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in your building at your desk and you're just kind of lost in the day-to-day -day routine of work and you don't know if your boss even really knows you're there. You don't, you don't even know if God knows you're there. And your Christian life really just becomes, I look forward to Sundays when I can sing and worship and hear God's Word preached and maybe you attend a midweek service, but you feel as though the rest of your week is just spent in meaningless service. I want you to remember this text. It's not meaningless. It's for the glory of God. Who do you really work for tonight? You got to make sure you're honoring His name and His doctrine. That you have a credible testimony in hopes of leading others to Christ. Your job is your mission field. 
those you rub shoulders with day in and day out are the ones who are watching you the closest. They're waiting to see what comes out of your mouth. They're waiting to see how you react during a pandemic. They're waiting to see how you react when bad news comes your way. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, in my military experience has been proven that if you'll live a life consistently pleasing God, those who once made fun of you, when the trial hits their life, they'll come to you asking you for prayer. Your job is a mission field. You don't work for man, you work for God. You've got to be above reproach. So how are you doing in your job tonight? Let's pray.